ಯೋಗೀನಚಿತ್ತಸ್ಯಪದೇನವಾಚಾಂಲಂಶರೀರಸ್ಯವೈದ್ಯಕೋಪಕರೋತ್ತಂಪ್ರವರಂಮುನ
the buddhi sattva which is established in the contemplation in the awareness that he is actually the conscious principle the purusha but very interesting when i am established in the idea that i am the conscious principle who is saying it is the mind though the mind has purified itself from all the turgidities it's no more in any way contaminated by the sensed pleasures of the world by any sort of worldliness it has disassociated itself from all the entangles of the material world but at the same time we find still the mind exists to have that idea that i am the purusha so this sattva he speaks of that buddhi sattva that pure intellect which is bereft of all association of all our entanglements raga dvesha bhinivesha attachments hatred and tremendous attachment for life it has came out of it but still it exists as the mind as a pure mind that sattva and the purusha purusha is of course pure so when both these pure principles i take they are apparently the same as sri ramakrishna used to say shuddha buddhi shuddha atma ek the pure atman and the pure intellect the pure buddhi sattva both are same how can it be same so that's when it happens know it for certain that that uh, results in liberation so what actually is speaking of now the buddhi sattva is never the purusha then why it is been spoken of here that both resemble is yes, they are not the same but their characteristic is almost the same when the buddhi is bereft of all its association with the so called phenomenal existence it is as if resembling the purusha why it is saying that there are certain aspects which are same for the sattva as well as for the purusha what is the aspect the purusha though because of ignorance it always appears that it is in association with prakriti but in reality it is never in association with the prakriti just the way just the way when the sun gets reflected on the waves of the ocean the one sun appears as many each and every wave has the reflection of the sun not only that as per the shape of the wave the reflection of the sun may appear to be elliptical may appear to be deformed so all this actually in no way affects the real sun the real sun is always unaffected it is only the reflection which appears as many if i take the reflection to be real then i am deluded i think as if purusha is going through all those transformations but it is never actually happening so the purusha is always pure now when the mind becomes pure what happens whatever may be our spiritual practices whether you are a devotee or you are a gyani the basic thing which happens is we develop a new mental module through our sadhana through our spiritual practice what's that if i am a bhakta if i am a devotee i constantly think this world worldly existence is ephemeral it's not going to uh be permanent it's not going to continue for eternity it is just a flow the real me which is the spirit is in eternal association with the divine with god which is also spirit as has been very nicely said in the bible by jesus worship the spirit by the spirit it's not that when i am worshiping god a real devotee never thinks himself to be this limited psychophysical existence he or she is convinced of the fact that the real essence of his being is eternal and the lord is eternal it is the association of this eternal essence of my being with the lord that's what uh, the devotee is constantly aware of 
So here also we find what is happening even for a devotee, constantly through his meditation, through his day-to-day life, through his constant awareness of his association with the divine, the devotee is constantly negating the limited self, constantly negating the limited self. The idea which uh, is behind all our activities, unless and until I feel myself a limited psychophysical existence, the question of the motivation never comes. All our motivations at last can be uh, boiled down to three things. Why we get motivated? Either we are attached to certain thing, raga, or we are repelled by something, dvesha. Is either attachment or hatred. And another thing is abhinivesha. Our tremendous clinging to life, which in uh, indirectly speaks of fear of death. That's why uh, that most of our all this medical science, your yoga, the so-called yoga, not uh, the yoga as the meditation science of meditation, yoga as the way the world knows it. Those uh, physical uh, acrobats, all the asanas, pranayamas for therapeutic purpose. All this is actually the expression of abhisneha, tremendous clinging to life so that I can avert the thing which I don't want, that is death. I can never avert. I can just go on delaying it. I can try to have a more uh, healthy life. So that's what we are doing. You will find that all the motivations at last ends up to this raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. From this, from where these three afflictions come, in our Yoga Sutra, they have been spoken of as afflictions, pleasure. Behind that is the sense of asmita, that I am this psychophysical existence. My identity has got established, has got totally identified with this. If it is nourished, I am nourished. Actually, for me, there is no need for nourishment. The real me, the conscious principle is beyond all the limitations because it needs nothing for its existence. It exists by its own right. But when I get attached with the psychophysical existence and take this to be the reality, then the question of nourishing it comes. Then the question of fear from the things which is going to harm it comes. The question of clinging to life comes. So all this comes from asmita. This asmita is linked with raga, dvesha, vinivesha. You will find that asmita again is because of ignorance, avidya. So these five are the kleshas. From avidya comes asmita, from asmita comes raga, dvesha, virivesha. In our day-to-day life, as per our so-called default mode of existence in this phenomenal world, all our motivations are because of this raga, dvesha, virivesha, which emanates from that little sense of asmita, that ego. Now, when you think that I am a devotee of God, the real me in essence is eternal, The Lord is eternal. My association with the Lord is something which is never going to end. It is permanent. This existence as a psychophysical being is something, a flow, a temporal. It's just a passing phase. This constant, this idea is negating your existence, which is motivated by that limited ego, asmita. And the same thing happens with a jnani. Constantly one who is meditating that I am Brahma, that Aham Brahmasmi, I am the Brahman, the one who is meditating, he's also doing the same thing. He's also constantly negating his limited existence, his existence which speaks of locality, constantly negating. Through this negation, what happens? This one mental module, which through your sadhana you are developing, it negates all other mental modules because this is opposing all the other mental modules. It's like a scarecrow. Just when you have a scarecrow that no other birds can come. All the birds are like the various mental modules which are hooked to your asmita, which are clogged to your asmita. And this is the one which is acting as a scarecrow for all. They start falling off. They all start falling off. Now, just you take this, when all all these 
mental modules has fallen off because of your constant awareness of the fact that you are the conscious principle. This mental module, which is the product of your sadhana, of your meditation, it has now become pure. At the beginning, though I meditate, I find that sometimes my mind is very much uplifted. At other times, the desires come back. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that when we are a novice in our spiritual journey, we are like an ordinary house fly. Sometimes we sit in, sometimes we are sitting in the nectar, we are sipping in the nectar, and sometimes we are sipping in the filth, just like a house fly. The house fly has to become the honeybee. It only sits on nectar, never sits on filth. So this Buddhi Sattva speaks of transformation into the honeybee, where our mind is not pure. Now take this mind, how it resembles the self. The self is bereft of all mental modules. All the mental modules in no way can really come in association with the Purusha. It's always uncontaminated. And this Buddhisattva, this mental module, when it has become purified, when all the drossness has fallen off, it is also bereft of all mental modules. When this has happened, as if both are same, as per their association with the mental modules are concerned, the conscious principle as well as this one mental module, know it for certain, this will lead to this liberation. This one mental module is also bound to fall off at last. Why? When you are established in that one mental module, all has fallen off. From that comes Paravairagya, supreme renunciation, where you are in no way uh, inclined to remain in that state of existence where the Buddha is still remaining. The tremendous renunciation comes when that last mental module also falls off. After cleansing the mind from all mental modules, this one mental module by itself cannot stay. There are various reasons. You will find that even in the Buddhist literature, when Buddha went to the realization, it is mentioned that what happened as his mind is bereft of all the immediate concerns, all the biases, all the attachments, the mind now starts encompassing. When we are extremely attached, our mind becomes narrowed. We cannot have a broad perspective and we cannot build on that broad perspective. Our life cannot build. We are narrowed down. Just see when the dog is enjoying its meal, how much tremendously focused it is. Same with us. So the more we are entangled in the senses, our mind is very much narrowed down. We are just myopic, short-sighted. Take that existence, that with, which, why, with what I am involved, that to be the be-all and end-all of my existence. I don't have the capacity to look beyond that what is awaiting me. We all know that death is awaiting. Our sense pleasures are like the rabbit being chased by the predator. At last, hides its face in a hole. And when it hides its face in the hole, it cannot see the predator and it thinks I am safe. All the sunset pleasures of the world is like hiding our face into the hole, not allowing us to see what's there waiting for me. That the death is the ultimate thing which is going to, we are all going to meet, which is going to happen. All our uh, association with the worldly existence, whether it's our wealth, whether it is our relations, is going to end. But when we are involved with the senses, this common fact doesn't. This is, this is the most common sense. It needs a very common sense to realize this. But because of a tremendous attachment, it never dawns in our mind. We are quite happy with it. But when your mind is bereft of all those associations, it now broadens. It so broadens that you can even now remember the past lives. That's why we will find when Buddha just before entering into the realization became Jatismara, all the past lives that he immediate that it came to his mind. From that the Jataka stories came. 
so when that from para, that because of that supreme renunciation when the jati smaratva comes you see that so many lives what i was doing nothing what i was doing took this world to be real got i just gave a headlong dive into it thought my this, this family children this is the be all and end all of existence and suddenly we realize the old age came and the world has started forgetting me getting apart from me i try to cleanse the world world doesn't bother about it and at last there is death waiting for me i have to live as swami vivekananda used to say the nature at certain point of time gives us in abundance and we are so happy just when you are a young person with your intellect with your strong physique with your degrees the work job relations as if the world is there waiting for you with open hands the nature is that's the way the nature is that's what how the nature is it will give you in abundance at certain point of time but know it for certain it will snatch away everything at certain point of time and all our suffering comes when i say i won't give but the nature is powerful extremely powerful i have to give so that's the thing we can see that that's what's happening for lives together i was elated with all the so called achievements of life and the time came everything was taken away what's the after all ultimate goal of this type of existence nothing from so this the para vairagya comes enough of this limited existence even my limited existence with the mind that's not required because i am the conscious principle and then that para vairagya it is very difficult to understand how to get rid of the idea even that that idea that i am the conscious principle i have i need the mind to think i am conscious principle that's what we think in the present state of existence just the way it is almost impossible to explain a small child that there is a higher life beyond the toys and chocolates it is impossible to explain for the child that is his world if you say a scientist enjoys in the laboratory doing the research or through the telescope while watching watching the watching the galaxies this may that make no sense to the child how can there be happiness in all those bland boring things for the child it's the chocolates the toys the be all and end all of existence for us the mind is the ultimate toy with that which we have we need we cannot think of existence just the child who thought that the toys and the chocolates are the be all and end all of his existence when the child grows up he laughs at himself oh as a small child how foolish i was similarly it's very difficult to understand in the present state of existence that how i can even give up that one mental module it's, it we can easily understand that we can purify our mind but at last the idea is i will be there with that one mental module all the fight between the gyanis and bhaktas are there all this bhakti is actually clinging to that ultimate module they cannot think it's a terrifying thing that how can i leave that but we forget those who are terrified are all the childs we are all here when you go to that state most probably then that paravairagya is bound to come and when that comes this ultimate mental module also falls off now leading you to kaivalya the mind is no more there shankaracharya gives a very nice example that how when this buddhisattva means buddhi sattva and purusha when they resemble when both have became as if totally bereft of all other mental modules then at last this buddhi sattva also has to fall off in the olden days the way of purifying water in the village they will get the water from the pond it's full of turgidity full uh, of microbes you will get infected so how to get rid of all the this uh, this bacteria how to get rid of all the impurities they used to add a little camphor the camphor will first clear the water the water will become transparent and at last you will find the camphor itself is not there it also has totally merged in the 
that clean water. You cannot find the camphor. So Shankaracharya in his commentary is saying that the, this buddhi sattva, the pure mind, after cleansing the mind, itself vanishes. It's no more there. And that leads you to that state of kaivalya, where as the conscious principle, you are now bereft of prakriti. There is no need for any crutch. You exist by your own right. Actually, you always existed by your own right. It was just the ignorance which made you feel that the, my association with the prakriti is necessary for my existence. This ignorance falls off. You find it was all a dream. You are, you were, you are, you will be. That conscious principle bereft of prakriti. So that's the state of Kaivalya. So you will find how nicely the words have been arranged just with a simple, just such a small sutra, but it speaks a lot. That's the meaning of the sutras. There are the huge ideas, profound ideas are encoded on those few words. So this, this few words speaks a lot. Sattva, Purushaya, Shuddha, Shuddhi, Samye. Samye means when it becomes resembles. Samata, it resembles. When the Sattva, the Buddhi Sattva and the Purusha, because of the purification, they appear to be same know for certain that that will lead to the Kaivalya, Kaivalya Miti. So very, the Yoga Sutra, when we just proceed in the, almost in the last sutras, in the fourth chapter, they will mention very nicely, just the way, if when the rain falls on the top of the mountain, it cannot stay there, it has to fall off. When you reach the state of the ultimate purification, all the factors, which conglomerated to give you that sense of identity, all the nature's components which conglomerated, like just like the raindrop falling off from the top of the mountain in all directions, the mind starts falling off. All the things which conglomerated, it starts falling off to render you free. The mind starts just simply falling off. Very nicely, the word which has been used in the Yoga Sutra, as we study, we will find prasava and pratiprasava. Prasava means evolution, to give birth. The nature first gave birth to us as a psychophysical existence. Now it is pratiprasava, involution. All the factors which resulted in the evolution of the psychophysical existence, they start falling off. It's just like let go. It's a let go. It falls off, rendering you the freedom, all the clinging to this phenomenal existence starts falling off. So with that, the third chapter ends by actually this sutra is an introduction to the next chapter. So now we will enter into the fourth chapter, the last chapter of the Yoga Sutra. So first it starts with a mantra, which you may feel it has nothing to do with Kaivalya. But very interesting why these sutras have been uh, described at the very beginning of the fourth sutra that it again speaks of the siddhis why it starts with that this the reason is even in the present day we will find many people are deluded that by drugs there can be the alteration of your consciousness giving you a feeling that it is something which resembles the state of illumination Many, many have been deluded by that. Many, for the, especially for the, this the hippie movement and all, we find that the drug addiction was somehow encouraged because it gave them a sense of alteration of the consciousness. And they thought that this, it's an easy way to get illumined. The first mantra of the Kaivalya, first sutra of the Kaivalya Pada, you will find is a warning to that. Aushadhi, Janma, some by birth. I found a book, very interesting book, uh, written by a very, very well-known author. Uh, his own child is having some, uh, because of some, he made some accident and after that he had some mental uh, aberrations the mind uh, was not working properly. And now 
we find in that book he's saying that he's comparing Ramakrishna and Raman Maharshi with his own child, that he has become like God. Why he has no attachment? He has developed detachment. So, and then with the help of the psychology, this, this mind of such a person who has become something uh, like an not a normal person. A normal person means the way we think is normal, that he is a bit different from all others. Now we study the psychology of that person and we say that the spiritual illumination happened because somehow that mind of Ramakrishna or of Ramana Maharshi somehow got transformed just the way the mind of this person who made an accident has got transformed. With all the sadhana, at last it is a deranged mind. So again, we will be making a mistake. It's not a deranged mind. I will give a very uh, common example. You will understand it. Uh, uh, in psychology, there is a, a syndrome. Someone will develop that syndrome. It's called Capgras syndrome. Capgras. What happens? Suddenly one day, a person uh, is seeing his mother may say, you look like my mother, but you are not my mother. You're an imposter. Somehow you have entered into my life, maybe to exploit me. And the mother will be horrified. What has happened to my child? This Capgras syndrome, it, it is uh, something related to schizophrenia and uh, some other mental conditions. This person will think the other person is an imposter. Seeing his own house will feel, it looks like my house, but it is not my house. Now, in the psychology behind it is very, is very complicated. But in a simple way, to explain it to a lay person, what has happened because of some disease or for some accident, you know, our brain is highly wired. It is the wiring of the brain which gives us the reality. When I see my house, I feel my house, my emotion gets involved. What happens? There are some center of perception in the brain. Those centers of perceptions are wired with the center of emotion. We have emotions. Those emotions are wired with the centers of perceptions. So when I see my mother, the perception of my mother is linked with the emotion. Immediately I feel my mother, the emotion wells up. Now suppose because of accident, that wiring gets disrupted. Your center of emotion is disrupted from your center of perception. So you see, but the emotion is not working. And immediately that feeling comes, it's not mine. Somewhere someone is, uh, these persons are like an imposter has came to my life. This building looks like my own house, but it is not my house. So a type of, dis, as if a detachment has developed. And now if you say a realized soul is also the same, for whom the same detachment has came through all his sadhana, we'll be doing a big mistake. Why we'll be doing a big mistake? For a person who is having a capgrass syndrome, because of some accident or something, the detachment of the emotion center with the perception center has happened. That is making him behave in particular way as if there is no attachment to the things. But know it for certain, again, when he, if his disease is cured or if he is born again with a normal mind, all his attachments will be back. This detachment was an accident. It's not from that conviction that I am the self. So when you study the psychology, it looks same. For a realized soul also this detachment has happened. But behind that, what has detached? The conviction that I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. This is the conviction which apparently both the brains are looking same. So just seeing the way the brain works, you say both are same. We will be committing a big mistake. So by birth, we may be having some abnormalities that doesn't speak that I am a realized soul. Because of some herbs or drugs, I, I may have temporarily an altered state of consciousness. You take away the drug, again, I'm the same person. It doesn't because behind that, the conviction is not there. The detachment has not really happened. It's just something, a temporary clouding of the mind. It may happen through some mantra, through particular tapas. We find there are so many 
a way of doing austerity. If that austerity is not associated with the knowledge, then sometimes we find that certain sort of detachment has come, but it won't lead you to that ultimate realization. For the time being, it gives a feeling like that I have attained something, but actually it is something which is going to go, which is going to again, just go away. You will be again the self, the same old self that won't speak of your kaivalya. So to warn that this sutra starts. So now let us read the sutra. The first sutra of the fourth chapter, Kaivalya Pada. Janma, Aushudhi, Mantra, Tapa, Samadhija, Siddhaya. The Siddhi may come from Janma, by birth. As we were discussing, by birth, Certain siddhis may come, aushadhi, by drugs, mantra, by the repetition of some syllable. We will come to the discussion of it. Some powers may come, tapa, through some austerity, some powers may come. And of course, samadhi, that we have discussed, that's the genuine way. So samadhi also it may come. As we proceed in the sut- sutras means you have to link up. In the fifth sutra, you will find, they will say, that only the mental module, which is the product of dhyana, which leads to samadhi, that only can take away your pleasure, not the others. So we have to link up. Then you will find the meaning. So here, the first sutra speaks that it may come from all this. But the first four is not going to lead you to that ultimate liberation. It is not going to annihilate the afflictions, the pleasures. They will come back. Only dhyanaja from the meditation by being aware of your real nature, when you contemplate and that leads to samadhi, that alone can take you away, take you off, can help you to transcend all the so-called afflictions. Janma, as we were speaking just now, there, you know, there's very so many uh, mental uh, abnormalities which sometimes finds expression as talent, like Siddhi. There is a mental condition called synesthesia. It's very interesting that as we were saying, our brain is wired up. There are so many innumerable perception centers. And as they're wired up, we get the feeling of a whole, means the wholeness. As for the perceptions are concerned, they are all piecemeal perception. When I am perceiving a red flower, you know, very interesting. The red color is perceived in a particular part of the brain. The form is perceived in some other part of the brain. The smell, of course, is going is perceived by some other part of the brain. If these are all piecemeal, how do I get the idea that this is the flower which is having this smell, this is having this shape? It's because of the wiring inside the brain. As such, when I'm perceiving, they're all piecemeal perceptions. Inside the brain, this because of the wiring, they give you a sense of wholeness. Now, sometimes this wiring may go wrong. How? You know, if for a normal person, just for an example, let us take the, uh, nu- this numerical seven. The seven, if it is red color, I will see this, the seven as red color. If it is blue, I will see it as blue. If it is green, I will see it as green. But there are certain persons, whenever they see seven, invariably they will see it as a particular color. Whatever the real color may be, it may be green, it may be blue, it may be red, but that person always sees it as as yellow, whatever may be its color. If it is yellow, then also it sees it as yellow. If it is red, then also it sees it as yellow. How it has happened? Just the way, in our electronic circuit, sometimes the circuits get short-circuited. So in your, in our brain, the color perception center and the digit perception center, they are very near. And somehow this, this color perception has got short-circuited with that particular digit. And whatever may be the digit, you uh, that whatever may be the color of the digit, you see as because of the short circuit, you see that color. It's very interesting. This proves the fact. What I am seeing is a projection of the mind. 
if we all were short circuited in the same way we all would have seen the uh, that seven digit as the yellow color and that would have been the consensus reality we would have told that that is the reality but for this person what he is saying we say is not normal why because here also the question of the vote of the majority comes the majority of us says that it is red he is seeing it yellow so his is false but actually both of us are doing the same thing after seeing we are projecting the colors and we are giving the reality to it the entire reality of the world is a projection of our mind but some mind is as it is not working in the way the majorities are working so it gives some a different type of perception now those who have sign this what do you say this synesthesia for them a wonderful thing happens it has been found that most of them had a very um, what do you say this prodigious memory tremendous memory whenever they read something immediately that gets as if uh, totally registered in their mind the fact is very interesting these are of course uh, this uh, this subjects of psychology the psychiatry is a very vast subject but to explain to a lay person you will all understand what happens for such a person when he's reading a book the book for which for the book which for us is just simply in the black printed letters it is being printed in a white page for that person it is all highlighted he's seeing various colors you know for memorizing what we do in the book we underline we highlight for this his perception is such it is entire book is highlighted that gives him the tremendous memory to he can analyze the things in a much better way segregate the things in a much better way and that speaks of a prodigious memory so just it is a siddhi but it has happened because of some abnormal so called abnormality in the mind it has nothing to do with spirituality but yes sometimes when we see a person because of this abnormalities they have developed some specific skills there are people who are going to revere them as as if some spiritually illumined soul so here yoga is saying it is just by janma it has happened we need not be deluded by thinking that it speaks of some supernatural power janma there are so many and so you will find that the so sometimes the autistic children have wonderful memory they just uh, by say say if you just say the phone number if you have previously uh, just seen once that whose phone number is in the list of phone numbers immediately by saying the phone number he will tell which person everything is in their memory there is if you have seen the movie rain man it actually speaks of that tremendous memory but it is because of that janma at at the time of birth because in the way the brain is constituted that has happened that doesn't speak that this is the capacity with which he is going to uh, take birth again and again it's not so it's by janma it has happened aushadhi we need not explain you know the drug addiction why it is because of either it acts as a depressant or it acts as a hallucinogen is a hallucinate it is just for hallucinating or it may act as a stimulant and that all these three speaks of this altering of your consciousness a particular drug uh recently in india there was a lot of scandal that those in the uh, you know that in the movies the actors many of them were found to be addicts it's not because of the luxury they go for addiction it's a very common trend throughout the world that those who have to perform this the stage performers whether it's a musician or it's an actor they tend to be addicts why you know every time is it's a common human psychology when you see that huge crowd millions and an expectation has grown that you are bound to perform wonderfully that one song has made you famous now there is tremendous expectation every time you go to the stage there is a tremendous stage fright and they find that this drugs can easily take him to that different world this total crowd 
now is become something they become oblivious of it and it can transport them and it helps them to perform without being oblivious of this the enter crowd but this is the effect of the drug and ramakrishna is to sing wonderfully and in the uh, in his biography in his biography uh, it is being mentioned in his biography it's being mentioned by swami sharadananda that whenever he used to sing in dakshineshwar people used to just gather around him his voice was such a wonderful voice and he's all this used to transport others and then he's writing why you know that he used to sing so wonderful fully because he was never aware of the surroundings he used to get so much absorbed in the thought of the divine that all the words which were speaking of the divine he got used to get so much absorbed in it immediately used to get transported so now you will understand the transportation of a professional performer with by resorting to the drugs and the transportation of ramakrishna because of his tremendous love for the divine tremendous absorption so as per the effect is concerned both are same but are they really same so this is the thing which the sutra is again and again trying to indicate oshadhi the drugs can transport you but it doesn't speak of your spiritual illumination for you can again come down from it the moment that the cause of that your transportation the drugs effect is gone the withdrawal syndromes comes back you are again that old person most probably more miserable than any other person so it takes you to the high to again throw you to the ebb to the bottom of your psychic existence it can lead to tremendous depression so this oshadi it can never be the sign of spiritual illumination just like the janma oshadi mantra yes with mantra you will find in our scriptures it has been mentioned for ages together apart from spiritual practice many were using mantras for attaining some uh, supernatural powers for harming others now you may ask do the mantras really work to, to do some dark magic or sometimes for some good purpose how this happens you know it's very interesting it speaks of that one mind the mind itself has its just like the way uh, when you go to the there's a, a in your computer you are searching the internet whatever you search it comes so all the informations are available see in the cosmic mind everything is there so when you get tuned to a particular idea you as if download it what happens in this with the why why we say that certain mantras are very powerful you know what has happened for ages together resorting to those mantras with some particular goal somewhere doing sadhana the one who initialized it by his sadhana most probably reached perfection the same mantra is now given to his successor when he starts meditating this mantra itself in which the entire spiritual journey of his guru has been encoded you immediately as if get tuned to that mental vibrancy it is already there it is existing it is just you are going to the search engine just you know if i in the search in just mantras are like typing the uh, thing in a search engine if you type something in a search engine your internet immediately all the data you get from it if i just uh, just type something just say if i want to find out um, uh, that about melbourne you just type melbourne all the data is related to information related to melbourne so many things will just come and crowd your computer this mantras are like that so many have already contributed through their spiritual journey to they have already uploaded as if to that cosmic mind the spiritual journey the mantra helps us that way the moment you seriously are trying to relate to those ideas with that word you easily get it's already available the easily that uh, it comes 
and it starts uh, as if altering your psyche. You find that uh, very easy to understand when you go to some temple or church. Most probably, you are not in a very good mental state. You'll be depressed or you're feeling very monotonous, bored. And most, most probably some of your friend, though you were not willing, just took you to the church or to the temple or to the mosque, whatever it may be. And just going there, suddenly you find your mind have changed. The same thing, what has happened in that place, that is a specific place which is used for worship. Whoever visits there, they're uploading their, their good thoughts. Those who are going there consciously, they just uh, decide, they resolve that for some time, as long as I'm there, I will be just thinking of God. I will be just thinking of the sublime thoughts. I will just try to forget the world and be with the divine for some time. And that's the way you are all. we all enter the shrine, you enter the church, and that's the vibration there. It, uh, there's a particular time for it, a term for it. It's called the new sphere. Just like the atmosphere is the same atmosphere where we all breathe. When I'm breathing, it's the same atmosphere which you breathe. Similarly, our thoughts are, the, are in the form of mental vibrations there, which is termed as new sphere, N-O-O-S-P-H-E-R-E. It's there. The moment you try to relate to it, just the way you enter the shrine, automatically you find your mood has changed. You go to any place of uh, the, the funeral, the most beautiful place you will find. So nice garden for acres together, sprawling land, fully green. Do you ever go for an evening walk there? The moment you enter, somehow you will find your mind gets a bit depressed. Because there all the person go for a particular purpose. It's only when someone or your near and dear one have died for the funeral you're going there. It's only the sad vibrations with which that place is actually permeated. You go, immediately your mind imbibes that. Even unknowingly you go, that's the thing. So though that's such a nice place, we never go for that's our evening walk or morning walk there. That's not the place. We know it's that our mind won't be very peaceful or tranquil in those places. It will be a bit depressed. So the same thing that with the mantra, that same thing happens. This mantra is something which the sadhakas have practiced for ages. All the mantras which are very powerful, the old mantras, like the Gayatri, for ages together, for thousands of years, so many have atti- attained perfection through that type of mantra. So when you chant or we chant, the mantras which has been chanted by many for spiritual evolution, we immediately can avail already the uploaded, that's all the spiritual aspirations and immediately transports our mind. Yes, if it is done with that spiritual awareness, it's good. But if we are using it for some other purpose, it can change our, modify our psyche to give us some supernatural power but it is not going to give us the ultimate spiritual illumination. You'll find that mantra is being used for so many things, for black magic, for uh, uh, healing others. So those things have nothing to do with the spirituality. They're also power. There's a science behind it. Many have resorted to that for that purpose. And that has created that just the way in the internet, the way you get good things, you get the bad things. You search anything, you get there. Here also everything is available. And accordingly, it can modify your psyche, but that in no way speaks of your ultimate spiritual illumination. Then the next, the tapa. This also, this tapasya, unless the awareness, that spiritual awareness is there, all the meaningless tapasya can give you some power, but it doesn't speak of spiritual evolution. Tapas can be two types. What's the thing? It deactivates, it has two results. It deactivates our biological alarm. And that way, we develop some uh, power over our own psychophysical existence. To give a common example, 
that I take the resolution of doing of fasting from morning, from today morning to next day morning because of Shivaratri or whatever it may be. Now it, you know what, how uh, that, that, uh, that fast, I get adept in fasting. It's just actually because of the deactivating of the biological alarm system. When the, for the first time you're fasting, you will find in the noon, when you take your, have your lunch, the main meal, you're extremely terribly hungry. But as you have resolved, you think, let me bear with it. But at the same time, the thought comes that most probably throughout the night, I have to suffer because of this hunger. But those who have fasted, they all know that that peak, that the peak of that hunger, it starts vanishing after some time. It just starts evaporating. After some time, the, when the lunchtime has gone in the late afternoon, you don't feel the hunger. Actually, it's the opposite. You feel the body is light and then you can continue with your fasting throughout the night with a light body. That's the purpose so that I can concentrate on my worship, how it has happened. Now, now this, all this hunger is nothing. Hunger, thirst, all these things, tiredness is the biological alarm system. Every day during the, uh, this meal time, in the noon, I have my lunch. When now the body has got so much programmed to it, moment that time comes, immediately the biological alarm sets in. When you are delaying the gratification, the alarm system gets tired and after some time it stops. It won't disturb you. It's almost the same way, the way we develop our willpower. The same way is almost the same way we develop our muscle power. The muscle by just working uh, against the weight, our muscles never grow. Actually, it's just the opposite. When I'm working against the weight, my muscle tears off for the first time. It tears off. Someone has someone has just was uh, uh, you see this was using the dumbbell was uh, for, uh, was dumb using the dumbbell for say hundred times for, uh, for flexing their muscle for hundred times with the dumbbell. And just to imitate, for the first time, I try to do it. Only after doing 20 or 25 times, I find the muscle has started developing cramp and I cannot do. I leave the dumbbell and there's a terrible pain. After a few days, when I go back to the gym, I find now I can easily do 40 times, 50 times. My strength has already increased. And I think most probably it is the, the, the flexing of the muscle previous day has strengthened my muscle. Actually, it's not, it's just the opposite. It actually has torn off your muscles. The muscle cells got damaged when you overdo, when you try to overdo. Now, when you are healing, the same feedback mechanism of the body, that feedback mechanism told that this part of your body is now used, used more. If you just regrow the cells, muscle cells, exactly the same amount as it was there, it cannot cope up, so build more. It's just a feedback with which you grow the muscle. Similarly, feedback also grows your willpower. I'm hungry. You're not resorting to the food. The feedback mechanism says, useless to give this biological alarm. He's not going to yield to it. It stops. So that's how the tapa helps us to develop some capacity over our body-mind. So now I can fast for two days, three days. That doesn't mean that I have really developed spiritually. If I have used that fasting, that I will meditate, that I don't want to fill the body. And meditation was the real aim. Of course, this type of tapas is going to help. But even those who don't have the uh, inclination for meditation, just others are fasting, let me fast. They also will develop the capacity. But that doesn't mean he is spiritually illum getting illumined. So these are the warnings. Very nice. These sutras, are, that's why very important. The last is the Samadhi. This is the only one. If we do not get hoodwinked by all the Siddhis which comes as the side effect, then this is the only one which can lead us to that state of Kaivalya. So this Samadhi, we have already described in the third chapter that how it leads to some supernatural powers like Pratibha. We will again give a, a short hint to it that how Samadhi can 
just hoodwink us and keep us uh, restricted. That's just sideline us by getting lured to some uh, supernatural powers and may not enable us to progress spiritually. But if we are aware of the, the, this, our ultimate goal, this samadhi is the only thing that can take us beyond all the afflictions. So we will take up from this uh, the last uh, thing which has been mentioned in the first sutra in the next class uh, uh, and before we proceed to the second sutra. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskar.